Genesis 3.10, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. We don't have to be a counselor or have a PhD in psychology to understand people. If we understand that verse, we understand every person we meet, even the one staring back at us in the mirror. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. To some degree, all of us have places where we feel we are not all that we are meant to be. And as a result of that fear, we hide. We hide our need. We hide our weaknesses. We hide the places in us that have been shamed or wounded. Places where we were given the messages that we need to hide. Because if we don't, we'll be rejected. Welcome to the Wild at Heart podcast. This is Stacey Eldridge with you this week of March 22nd, and with me in the studio are my husband, John, and Alex and Melanie Burton. You know Alex as a part of the Wild at Heart team, but I don't think you know his amazing wife, Melanie. This is her first time in this podcast, and I'm so looking forward to sharing this time together and talking about what we're going to be talking about today. Alex and Mel, welcome, you Good. guys. Thank you. Mel, how are, a big day. how are you feeling coming <laughs> into this? Um, excited. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing where the conversation goes and being a part of the bigger picture here. So, yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. And welcome back, friends. We've been taking a journey to bring the heart back to center stage. Hmm. Um, back in January, felt like, hey, let's let's bring the heart back in and make it central again and check in on everybody and take a journey together that we're looking after one another's hearts mm. here in the start of, of 2021, which has gotten off a little bumpy for most people, right? <laughs> right. Mm. I love that we're still calling it the start of 2021 because it does feel like that. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know. We're already in the March, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. end of the third quarter, but I'm still, I'm waiting <laughs> for the change. I'm waiting yeah. for yeah. things to feel different. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you guys think back on 2020, first part of 2021, has it been easy to keep track of the life of the heart for you? <laughs> mm. I love the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me... 2020 would have been difficult no matter what year it was mm. because of um, the loss of my mom yes. and just some other things that, um, and that's coming up as an anniversary. So I'm still like kind of in the, it just made it kind of worse mm. in dealing with all of that at the same time. But I'm actually so grateful that she didn't have to deal with any of it. Yeah. So that makes my heart a little bit more peaceful and but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I feel hope coming. I feel transition coming. Um, and so that keeps me going. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I, I feel I hope some coming. of what you have. Yeah, let's spread that around. <laughs> let's all hold hands. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I would describe 2020 and, and any attempt to keep the heart central as a daily fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even now to some extent, I mean, we're describing the beginning of this year, right? And uh, yeah, the world's been very distracted over the last year by, as we all know, everything that's been going on yeah. in the world. And um, 
And so I guess for me, I would describe it as, yeah, a daily fight to to go, wait, 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 there's a bigger picture mm -hmm. going on than, mm -hmm. you know, which vaccine are they going to end up with and what, you know, yeah. where are we headed and what's going to happen in the future? And, and, um, and I think it's a daily fight of realizing that the best place for my heart is to just be present to today. Mm -hmm. And so that's the daily fight is, yeah. is making the heart central of not letting my heart wander to speculation and worry and looking at the future, looking at the past, but just being present to yeah. today. So that's kind of how it's been And you going. just celebrated a one-year anniversary of yeah. sorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of heart right. care. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell the folks about that. Yeah. So uh, Sunday mm -hmm. was day 365 of daily outside every day, which which looked like mainly running at least a mile a day. Um, even in the middle of all the snow even and Even in ice. the snow, mm -hmm. even in the ice, even rain, wind. What, wow. You're like the postman. Mm. Yeah. I remember a <laughs> buddy came to you yeah. and asked you if you wanted to go streaking. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. My buddy Aaron was like, hey, would you like to streak with me? And I'm, you know, I, I prefer to keep my clothes on. And, but then he explained, we're actually talking about trying to do something every day and uh, wanted to run a mile every day. And so he put a bet on it and said, if you don't run a mile a day, you owe me a hundred bucks. And so that was kind of the thing that got me into it. And, uh, and it wasn't necessarily a noble pursuit, but um, over time, it actually, it mm -hmm. was, it was a rescue from God hmm. because what it became is a daily practice that was life-giving and that it was literally right before the lockdowns happened, the shutdowns Oh, this happened. wasn't for the pandemic? No. So. Oh, wow. He yeah. invited me into this right before Come Col on. Colorado went into lockdown. We didn't know we were going to go into a lockdown. And so I had already started this practice and. And then it became a lifeline, right? Because we're stuck at totally. home and, and it was an excuse every day to get outside. And that's what the year became for me was, was more, it wasn't about running a mile a day. It was about being outside every day. Did it help? Oh, it helped so much. It helped so much. I mean, even just, you know, some, some runs I would run pretty fast, meaning eight minute mile, not a four minute mile, but just eight minutes outside, seeing what's happening with the day, feeling the sun on my mm. face, mm. feeling the wind on my bald head, um, you know, whatever it was, it, it was recentering and, and just like taking a, a big breath each day. So my daily walk with the dogs is, is my life giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm stunned at how often I have abandoned it. Mm. Yeah even in the last three months, like yeah. I know soul care is important. I know these things are good mm -hmm. for me. And, you know, two or three times a week, not seven. So go uh -huh. you, yeah. you, go. Yeah. And I'm so far, I'm going ahead and just carrying on. I don't, I don't know if I will stay regimented every single day, but since Sunday, I've still been out, you know, Going. This um, is good. 
Mm-hmm. This so. this is a good habit it is. to have formed. Yeah, yeah, what a good practice. Mm-hmm. This is also week two that many of us are tracking together in the Wild at Heart experience, the captivating experience, yeah. which we've described a couple times on the podcast. But for those of you who are just tuning into that, we made some beautiful films last year, six-part series for women, six-part series for men. And then we built experiences around those of reading and meditation, scripture, some journaling, some additional encouragement from Stacy and I. And this is available free on our website. You can sign up for it anytime and come take the six-week experience as a woman or as a man. But many of you jumped in last week to start the experience with us. So we're kind of we're kind of journeying together. And here in week two, we asked Alex and Mel if they would jump into session two uh, of the women's and and of the men's and kind of give that some reflection. And I'm just curious, what was that like? What did that raise for you? Mel, you've been in this message for so long. Mm -hmm. You've journeyed through so much of it. What, What did it stir in you this time? I think it was a good reminder to go back to Genesis and look at those scriptures and our creation and why we are who we are, but also being very vulnerable and asking yourself those questions of what do you do when you're hurting? What do you do when you're not in the right space with God? And how do you handle that? And um, yeah, your own heart in that. So it's been a long time since I've done Captivating and like just the whole message of it. So, yeah, I think it was just a great reminder and to go there. And as you grow and heal, I think your perspective changes, of course. And I kind of looked at like where I was like 10 years ago before healing. And then from then to now, there's a big difference of how I handle myself and how I, you know, handle my heart and other people. So, yeah. That is so awesome. Melanie, and I can say that is so true. Just getting to experience you and the life that you bring Mm. um, and and all of us just stepping away increasingly from fear Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then getting to offer more freely Mm -hmm. the weight of your presence. And I know I get to experience that from you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'd like to hear from both of you ladies, mm-hmm. as you think about the two ways we kind of describe that the false self, fallen Eve can kind of go two general directions towards a sort of controlling approach to life, to people, to personality, or to more of a desolate emptiness in the way that that shapes us, hiding and that sort of thing. What do you see this week? What can I ask? I mean, it's a little Absolutely. embarrassing. I'll, but can I'll I, go first. I'll pave the way. Okay, great. And I will also confess that John pointed at me when he said controlling. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> you totally did. That's so controlling. <laughs> well, you know, I, I when I look at this area, I am struck by a couple of things. And one of them is that I feel like I'm an overachiever in this area because I don't limit myself to one. Mm -hmm. But my bent would be to control, but I go to control when I'm feeling desolate. And the underlying fear and accusation that comes against my heart doesn't seem to have diminished 
the the vulnerability where the fear comes in of failing, of not measuring up, the and the accusation from the enemy saying that is so true. That's who you are. That doesn't feel like it's changed. And I've been in this message for more than 20 years. Mm. What I think has changed is my walk with God and his strength in me to be accessed to say no to that. But I still tend to go to control, whether that's the kitchen counter to the way people are working or responding or feeding back to me. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. And it does not go well. And then the desolate places are generally the places where I am failing that make me want to hide. Mm -hmm. And then I withdraw Mm -hmm. out of shame. Sure. Because certainly I am naked and failing. And so you wouldn't want anything to do with me. So I just pull back. Mm. That that's where I tend to go. Mm. Oh, I relate to that a lot. Um, actually, as you were saying that, I think I clean. I like when I want control. I just know that I, that's what I can control, and so I just start cleaning something. <laughs> um, and then I think the control comes when situations that I can't control are happening around me or to somebody I love. Um, I feel like I go to the desolate shame place with relationships. Mm. And that's where I, I kind of re- retreat if I don't feel in the right space with myself and the other person or just um, just grounded in God in that t- space. And so I, I retreat. I need time to process mm-hmm. and be able to go, okay, what was that? Why did I feel that way? And be able to interact again in that, you know, either a group of women or a group of people or with certain people that I'm like, oh, I need to do that over. <laughs> I, you know, after I've had time and been reassured of my, and that's where my healing I think has really come from is being reassured of God's love for me. Yes. And just that foundation is no matter what my mm. interaction is going to be, mm. it's going to be the fact that I have to remind myself of what who God says I am, where I am, who, yeah, who he's created me mm. to be, and that I'm okay. So I, I feel like I need time to process and remind myself mm. of that yes. a lot. Mm. Yeah. So I do go to both places. Well, the other thing, um, I don't know if you'd be willing to share some on it, but last night when we were watching together, which was a really cool thing by the way. Oh, you did it together? Yeah, we both so, watched. Yeah, we, we, she watched Bart's session yeah. with me, and yeah. I watched Jamie's session with her. Like, we did it. We're doing this together. Okay. Walking mm-hmm. through it together. Yeah. Which, um, which is new. Like, that, that's a cool thing that people get to do that now, that you could actually yeah. walk through both. Like, together. So, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, that's been pretty cool, but when we were watching and you know, Stacy, you're describing that kind of polar differences of how fallen Eve expresses herself mm-hmm. and its control or its its desolation. And and Mel, you were you were reacting to the I think you said something along the lines of, I see I see the control come out with the kids. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's an area. hmm Yeah, I think that's as a mom. <laughs> 
you just want to control their world and you want to be able to control that they're safe, that they're everything's okay. And and sometimes I have to even like choose not to <laughs> because I even catch myself going, that might not be the best thing for them if I step in. And um, and it is hard not to in just to, you know, just being a mom. I mean, generally, and you just want the best for them. But um, yeah, having that ability to go, they're going to be okay. And this is actually them growing up and I need to release that and release them into um, hands of God and know that that's probably not where I'm supposed to step in mm-hmm. and See, let that's them so grow. good because when they're mm-hmm. young, you do step oh, in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then growing, as they grow up, it's like, wow, this stretching process of less and less control. And mm-hmm. um, as as parents of children in their 30s, mm-hmm. it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'm really struck by the love of God, fundamental okayness. Yes. So friends, obviously not everyone's doing the experience this week and you can jump in on our website and sign up anytime and do it anytime. You know, it's, it's always going to be there now, evergreen mm-hmm. as a six week program. But part two, episode two for women is fallen Eve and for men, it's the poser, but it's mm-hmm. essentially the false self and the construction of our fig leaves and the way that we handle life uh, apart from God. And and I'm jumping ahead to the relief for a moment, but just to name, like as, as we come to a place of fundamental acceptance, mm-hmm. as we come to a groundedness in our identity, in the love of God and who mm-hmm. we are to him, it allows us to then more freely, well, come into a studio <laughs> and let people ask you, uh-huh. mm-hmm. You know, uh, vulnerable questions, like we can move more openly and securely in looking at our false self and our fig leaves and our ways of hiding and controlling and and all that. And the journey of wholeheartedness takes both, right? It, It takes a groundedness in the love of God. It's an invitation to that. And it also... Uh, honesty is your friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honesty is our friend. It really is to just go, okay, right. I do I do have a false self. Here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Here's how it was constructed. Here's where it got it got built from. So for us as guys, we need we need to step up to the table here. Yeah. <laughs> what what did you recognize about your false self? What new thing yeah. presented as you were as you were doing the experience? Yeah. Man, um, kind of, again, these two reactions, right? Like watching it going, oh, wow, the the miles we've come, but then, uh, oh, the miles I've not come yet, mm. um, the ways I'm not finished yet. And when Mel and I were watching it and we went, you know, we, we went through the whole experience. We There's these great questions that come after you watch the video if you if you sign up for the actual experience and you know i think um i'm trying to remember what the one question was but it was basically how would you describe yourself and how would others describe you right as 
Amen. Man. Yes. And and there's been a lot of good that's changed in me, but I had kind of two categories for how others would describe me. And one category is probably how my coworkers and my friends and, and the people in my, I would say, external world would describe me. And I, I think they would say nice things. I think they would say- Yes, they would say nice things. <laughs> yes. I think they would say he's kind and- you know, he's, um, helpful and he's, you know, whatever, you know, good, good things. Right. But there's another category and it's her and it's my kids and they get to see all of me, which is, which is true for all of us, right? Your family really gets the full picture. And I don't think they would describe me exactly that way. Mm. And what really came to me as I was watching Bart's session and kind of processing, you know, how does this apply to me now? The realization as we, we construct the fig leaf, right? And, and mine was this fig leaf of, I'm just going to be the best guy I can be and not be a problem for anyone and make sure that everyone else is okay so I can be okay, mm. right? But it expressed itself in work and in friendship and in my external world. And I worked so hard at doing that. And to some extent, still do. Like that's hard for me to break out of because it's that search for validation that I remove from receiving from God and place on other people. And um, that takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. And so what these guys got for years and years was dad who was worn out mm. and dad who was checked out when he got home and husband who was worn out and checked out when he got home because he was working so hard to make the fig leaf work all day long. Yeah. And and he had nothing left mm. when he came home. And, and there's still days that that is true of me, unfortunately. And, um, and the work's not done and I, um, it, it has gotten better and it has changed and we have made, you know, progress. I, I hope she would yes. <laughs> feel that way. Um, but it's still, it's still a process. And, and I think where I've come to now and, and as I watch it present day, the, the litmus test for, okay, how am I processing this and how am I growing really comes down to these guys, mm -hmm. um, comes down to Mel and the kids and how I'm doing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I respond to that? Yeah. Would you like to? I would. <laughs> um, I'd like to respond just because from a wife's perspective on this, um, his ability to do and like just be helpful and just part of it, it's not all the fig leaf. It is who you are right. in many ways and you're very gifted and um, yeah. good at it. Um, what our experience over time has been um, fighting for that same person because of knowing how good he is, how much fun he can be to bring that home because we know who we oh, see it sure. and we want part of that. Sure. And so 
we've had that conversation of that's who we want at home because we know you are so good. Like we, we want that humor. We want that, um, that joy. And, um, and so I think it was for us to fight for him as well in that to, um, help him realize that like, you can do both. Like (laughs) we need you to do both, um, has been really good too. And just for the um, kids to learn how to express that as mm-hmm. well, like what they need from us mm-hmm. in that. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail and then my confession, but yeah. the <laughs> the amount of energy that we spend maintaining the false self, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. this is very, very hopeful. Yeah. Like gang, think yeah. of yeah. all mm-hmm. the energy you're going to mm-hmm. recover. Mm-hmm. Right. When you don't have to maintain the house of cards, when you're not trying to hold up the world or hold up, you know, a certain persona Mm -hmm. or what I became very aware of recently was how much energy I spend trying to control the narrative Mm -hmm. that other people tell themselves about me. Mm. Wow. Now, not what other people tell other people about me. So not like in a you know gossip or what kind of thing, yeah. but literally just what that person thinks of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, I became aware, shockingly aware of, oh my gosh, I spend an enormous amount of emotional energy, thought, and personal, you know, get your get your stuff together. Yeah. To control the narrative mm-hmm. that other mm-hmm. people hold about me. Mm-hmm. And I think I had shared a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that I went and did a soul care intensive with some really great people. And, you know, I knew it wasn't just COVID and it wasn't 2020. I just knew I needed a fresh round of more wholeheartedness. And and this was one of the revelations that came out was, oh my gosh, how much time and energy and effort in my life, but even up to the present and going, I would love to recover that energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is exhausting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maintaining yeah. mm-hmm. the false self, however mm-hmm. it's energizing us in our current life, mm-hmm. I would love to get all that energy back. I think I would be a, a more restful person. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, absolutely. I love you telling the effects of it because I, I, everybody can relate to that, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I'd love to go ahead and share a story of the effects of my controlling. Yes. And this is a simple story, but it's very exposing. Sam and Susie are in need of new plates, new dinnerware. And so I have been having so much fun and they can't afford new dinnerware. You know, it's $40 for a a set, but they don't have that. So I'm like looking, looking, looking. And I found this set that I went, they are going to love this. I want to get them this. And so I showed it to Sam. He's like, ooh, that's really nice. And then I showed it to Susie, and she's not reacting the way I want her to react. And um, eventually goes, yeah, Mom, I'd really like something more simple. Mm. And I was mad. Mm. (laughs) I want to give you a gift, and this is it, and you're going to like it. Like I wanted to control what she liked. And here was the effect. She saw right through me as I, oh, okay. 
yeah, I'll get you what you want. And she said, mom, I feel like if I don't go along with what you like, I get it pushed out of your heart. Mm, Ooh. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to go, I, you know, my immediate was, no, that's not true. And then, then it was like, wow. That is well, a, that's kind of true. That is kind of true. Because I am looking to you to validate me yes. by a simple thing about wow. what plates. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and Stace, like, at the same time, for your daughter-in-law yeah. to be able to name that to you. Yeah says something pretty remarkable about that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know that many daughter-in-laws would feel the freedom with their mother-in-law to, to name that. Wow. I like Even that. Even though it's not a great thing. <laughs> right. I don't know, like it's something to pay attention to, but, but wow, that's hey. beautiful. Yeah. You've done the work for that relationship, for that to be a beautiful thing, not to be a hurtful thing. It's good. That is good. Let me ask your thoughts on this. So the false self is uniquely constructed over time from our personal stories, from what was rewarded and what was shamed, from what earned us love and help and blessing and validation and acceptance and what didn't. And we learn, mm -hmm. right, in different family systems, in different cultures, in different school uh, environments. You know, you learn growing up... Um, how to do the deal, right? Mm -hmm. you, you learn how to do the dance. Yeah. What's the fear behind that? How would you name now with some maturity and with some clarity on your own story, kind of looking back, what, what is the fear in us? And is it a little bit different for women and men? I'm just kind of curious on that point too. What, how would you name the core fear that, that fuels the the hiding or the controlling or the posing, the search for validation, the hiding from exposure, fear of exposure, you know, what, how would you name that? I can only name it for myself and maybe it resonates, but it's, it's fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And for me in particular, the predominant theme in our family dynamic when I was growing up was just don't be a problem. Don't be a problem for us. You take care of you and everything will be okay as long as you're not a problem. And just over time, learn that through some different wounding experiences of times where I, I would maybe as a little boy make myself the center of attention and that didn't go well. Oh, wow. And I wasn't wanted and it mm -hmm. wasn't appreciated. Yep. And so what I learned was don't be a problem and don't make yourself center stage and stay on the fringes on the outside because if you don't, you're actually, you're going to be out, out. Yes. And, and convicted. I, yeah. And I think that mm. was the core fear mm. that drove me to go, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to just not be a problem mm. and to make sure that like I was saying before, that the people around me are okay so that I can be okay. Mm. And I think okay looks like I'm not, I'm not rejected. I'm not abandoned. Yeah. So for, for me, I think it's around rejection and abandonment. Yes. yes. Not being loved. Yep. Yep. Well, what about for you? 
I actually, I'm going to go back to the um, session that we watched. And when Stacy said, convinced that she could not trust God with her heart, and I wrote that down, just my story, I was convinced that God wasn't good to me, mm. um, that he was good to everybody else, and that I knew he was good and I, that he was worthy of love, that he was worthy of my affection and, and praise. But I just didn't see that he was good to me because of my story mm. and just the trauma and the not being chosen really by my family. I've come to understand that that's probably my biggest wound is n not feeling chosen. And I think that really hit me when I was watching this um, session that it goes back to Eve. Like I, I didn't really put those two together for my story that it was because she couldn't, she wasn't convinced and, but she was convinced by evil, <laughs> like, but she wasn't convinced by God. Mm. And I'm like, oh, right. Like mm. making that choice to be convinced by God that he is who he is to me and to see in a new perspective of the fullness of what he has given me changed everything. Um, when I had that kind of, I just, I really had um, about five years ago, 180 perspective change of that. And that's when I realized um, that he is good to me, that he loves me and that that's what I could stand on. But it, it was that, like, that was like, oh, okay. That was from Eve all the way back. Like, maybe I'm not the only one that feels that way and yeah. just has that maybe agreement in their mind and their heart that wasn't the way God intended. So, Well, that's good. In talking about our, our deepest fear, and you asked if it's different for men and women, and I think it is different, but it is so intertwined with our story, mm -hmm. like you're saying, Mel. And um, Alex, as you share your story, I just go, yep, yep. That was exactly the message that I, I got, was you don't rock the boat because if you rock this boat, it is going down. It's already tipping and they're tipping it. And we can't handle one more person. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to hide. I had everything. And if I was struggling, even if it was evident, they turned their face away. So what I came to fear deeply was people just running away, me being too much and then just utterly rejecting me and being left alone. And so I think that in my own um, navigating of that, sometimes I'll just want to retreat and be alone so I can beat them to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. it's it's the fear of rejection, the fear mm. of abandonment. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. I think too, John, what I would also describe as I, it's also fear of failure that was particular to me too. And I think is particular to men. Yes, yeah. big time. Mm -hmm. um, don't know how much that plays in for women, but I think um, you know, the whole thing of, well, I'm not going to be a problem for people was also, if I, if I was, then I've, then I've failed. Like, then I'm not, not really a man. I'm yes. not really worthwhile. Yes. And um, any, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, expectation or um, chance of failure is, has been a, a big fear. 
catastrophic. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, as a, as a man, there's this core knowledge that I am to bring something to the world mm -hmm. that helps, that yeah. helps alleviate pain, that helps flourishing happen, that helps families and communities and kingdoms yeah. and realms, you know, and just, and if I am not successful at that, then that's the, that's the report card on me. Mm -hmm. You, you are not a man because you have failed here. Fear of failure is huge. It's huge. It's interesting because as I'm, I'm processing, as I'm listening to you guys and I want to use a stronger phrase than the fear of rejection. I want to say, you will die. Yeah. Mm. You will die. Yeah. We've like, actually talked about that with anxiety, like with severe anxiety, you feel like you're going to die. Right. With the fear. Right. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's moments where you're like, yeah. Yeah. There, right. If I'm going to be abandoned, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yes. There's yeah. something about, and, and maybe this is because of the Trinity and because of the way that in the core of our being, we are made to be in and to be chosen, mm -hmm. to be chosen by our families, by our friends, by, yeah. you know, to be in. Yeah. Right. And, and if you are out mm -hmm. because you don't measure up or you weren't chosen or you failed or for whatever the multiple reasons. It's death. Yeah. It's death. Yeah. And I'm just struck by that today, listening. Fear of rejection names it, but it doesn't get down to this primal. Yes. It is primal. Mm -hmm. It is primal. Yeah. It really mm -hmm. feels like it. It is. And I mean, in history, if you were rejected, you died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and like you're saying, it's, it is literal because if you, as a four-year-old, as a eight-year-old, feel like you're going to be rejected by the very people that are taking care of you, that is the answer, right? Yes. Like if yes. you're put out on the street yes. at four years old, yes. you will not survive alone. Yes. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. Now I, I'm also listening to this from the listener standpoint. I go, there's hope. There's hope. Hang <laughs> on. No, I just don't want to cry <laughs> right, right now. Right. So on. yeah, let's get there's to the so hope. much hope. Well, gang, the reason for session two, the reason for week two and the experience is the false self is in the way mm -hmm. of experiencing genuine love, genuine acceptance, coming home. Yes. Yeah. Coming home. And yeah. the parable of the prodigal son is all about coming home to your true home. Right. He wasn't an orphan. He belonged there. He had just wandered, made a mess of things, and it was time for him to come home. Mm-hmm. And before we bring this episode in for a landing, this week's podcast, I, I want to talk about the relief mm. of naming the false self mm -hmm. and, you know, doing the work here, being able to set it down, risking new ways of living. Let's talk about the relief of that because there is immense relief in it. This isn't just, hey, look at what a mess you are. Yeah. Way to go, you. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's nope. not. Yeah. This is in the context. The whole conversation is in the context of the loving, redemptive work of yes. Jesus Christ. Right. Yes. Right. Who is after our true self. He's after our heart. He's after wholeheartedness in us. So this is taking place not in the sense of, wow, 
you de- you made a double mess of your life. Mm-hmm. It, it's in the context of redemption exactly, mm-hmm. and the yeah. purposes of the gospel. So what's been the relief, gang? So as I was watching last night, Bart's session, there, something that really struck me was, especially in Bart's case, but I would tie this to my story too, the fig leaf and your glory are very closely related. Mm-hmm. Like Bart does bear a glory. Yeah. For those who haven't watched it, he, you know, he talks about hard work and how that kind of became his fig leaf is he, he could win approval and validation by just working hard. Yeah. And so a lot of his life was motivated out of this fear of I'll be rejected if I don't work hard. Bart's actually glorious. And, you know, I built a barn with him up at his property, helped build some of it. And many people in our orbit got to help with him. Provided free labor. Yeah, free labor. <laughs> free labor. Um, and the guy can work hard, but it, there's a glory to it sure. too. Sure. And I think that's part of the hope is mm-hmm. that when we begin to see, oh, that's where I've actually put my search for validation and and it's misplaced and i begin to go oh god actually accepts me just as i am and and i am loved and now that thing that used to be a fig leaf actually can be a strength that we're not doing it out of fear but we're doing it out of a secure place mm. of we're accepted we're loved and so in my, in my case, when I help people or I come alongside people where in the past that was motivated out of, I want them to like me and not reject me. And so I'm, I'm doing it out of this place of, this is the thing that's going to make you accept me. It's that fig leaf that, that hides mm-hmm. what I fear you'll see if, if I'm exposed. But now I go... Oh, actually, I don't care what you think about me, (laughs) but I know that I'm loved by God, but I do care about you. Mm. And so I want to, I want to come alongside and I want to help, but now I'm not all wrapped up inside of you. You have to approve of me. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're freer to love. Much freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think for me, what I've discovered is the mercy of God. I couldn't look at my fallenness without going into despair unless I was held and in the context of God's mercy and his kindness. He understood. He understood why I was going to those things. There was a reason behind them. Mm -hmm. And there was mercy and compassion in his eyes, as there is today. So knowing that is is what enables me to lay it down. Mm -hmm. Go, I actually... The ground is not going to swallow me up. Mm. I am standing on secure ground of the acceptance, the belonging, the love of God. And I have a choice to make in the moments where I feel the need to Mm. control my world or to run away or to hide. And it's simply the choice of believing that I am am loved. Mm. I am held. Mm. So I'm free and... I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. I'm forgiven for the ways that I have not trusted God or the harm that I've even caused people through my own sin. 
of going to control. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. When Alex was talking and Stacy, I realized like to be present with our motivation behind why we do things. Like, are we doing it because what we think other people think of us? Are we doing it for comfort? But to go, I don't have to do that. I can do it because mm. I want to love other people, but I'm okay with who I am. And that to serve and to love from a secure foundation of I am the way God created me and my and know your giftings too. Like Alex was saying, his it is part of his gifting. Um that we can love even from that part of us if we invite God into it. And actually, when you were introducing this, I, I just got this vision of God just celebrating when we become who we're supposed to be. Mm. Just this, yes, like that's the daughter, that's the son, that's who I see you as in your true self. And I want you to live there and just celebrating when we do live in those moments mm. of being how he mm. sees us and creates us to be. Mm. Friends, what you're hearing is the gospel narrative. So if I could just say some very essential truths, you are a daughter or a son of God. You are his from the beginning. And yes, we have all lost our way. And yes, there is both sin and woundedness in everyone's story. But the fierce intention, the coming of Jesus Christ, his reason is to restore you, to bring you home to your true family, and to celebrate you, the person that you are created to be, I'm thinking of Ephesians 1, where Paul says, Praise God, our Father, who chose us before the creation of the world to be whole and holy in his love, mm -hmm. to be made whole and holy in his love. There is a bedrock that we can stand on. Mm -hmm. You are loved. You are chosen. You are deeply, deeply accepted by the ones who matter most, by your true Father, by your Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of God. And it, it's that language that you're hearing around the table as we're describing, I came to a safe place, I came mm -hmm. to a good place, mm -hmm. I, you know, that enables a person to begin to make the grand shift. And I think I want to describe the grand shift as that less and less of my actions are motivated by self-protection mm. mm -hmm. and more and more motivated by love. And I don't need to be in that posture of self-protection anymore that I can actually move over into the lane of love. I can operate from love because I don't, I don't need to self-protect. I'm okay. I'm safe. You know, personally, I don't need to control the narrative of what other people are holding about me because God has given the verdict on my life. And it is mm -hmm. one of love and forgiveness and blessing. And to your point, Mel, to celebration yeah. and rejoicing over our lives. That, that's the context 
That's the gospel narrative yeah. that allows us to look at our fig leaves, you know, to throw the category on the table, Mel, of motives. Like, that's so huge. Mm-hmm. You can do that from a safe place. You can do that even from, like, humor. Mm-hmm. And to kind of be able to sort of crack up at, oh, dear Lord, I did it again. Uh I can't believe that I just said that in that meeting. Without shame, guilt, self-reproach, you actually don't have to do this work from a place of self-reproach. It can be kind and merciful and even playful Mm -hmm. and, and therefore really worth doing. So if you want to um, take the journey with us, you can still jump in. Uh, You come to our website, wildatheart.org, and you'll find right there on the homepage the invitation to the captivating experience or the Wild at Heart experience. And what that is, what we're describing is, it's free. Sign up, give us your email, and we will email you once a week for six weeks, the video session, the scriptures, the questions for reflection, the readings, and and some coaching, a little audio uh, coaching by Stacy or me of, okay, here's what week three is about, and here's some things to be aware of. So you kind of journey through it for six weeks, and you can do it on your own. You could do it with your spouse. You could do it in a group. But that's available anytime, all year on, on our website. It's just kind of perennial there. But we'll continue on the podcast mm-hmm. next week with episode three, and then four, five, six with some of the other couples here in the Wild at Heart orbit. But Alex and Mel, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So generous of you to come in and be vulnerable and share your stories. Thank you. You bet. Yeah, loved it.